Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for FBC Keller Media in the iTunes Store. And now, here's our pastor, Keith Sanders. If you have your Bibles in hand, I invite you to turn once again to the book of Isaiah. We've been in the same text now these four Sunday mornings in December, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The title of today's message is The Prince of Peace. Scripture says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now, I'm so glad to spend Christmas Eve with the church family this morning. Truth is, I'm happy to be anywhere but the hospital, which is where I was last year this time. And many of you prayed for me, so I'm glad to to be here today. We've been examining, as I said, these four titles for the Messiah from the ninth chapter of Isaiah. And those titles, again, are Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is wonderful, which we said means miraculous. He was miraculous in his conception, in his birth, in his life, death, and resurrection. He's a mighty God. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's the everlasting Father we saw last week. He has always been and ever will be, and he's fatherly to those who love him. He's a protector. He's a provider, as any good father is. And today we see that he is called the Prince of Peace. And when Isaiah refers to the Messiah as the Prince of Peace, he is foretelling a worldwide reign of Messiah. There was anything but peace when Isaiah wrote these words between seven and 800 years before Jesus' birth. In fact, there was an imminent threat. The Assyrians were knocking on the gates about to take over. And so the people were crying out for peace. But that peace would not come and has not come and will not come until Jesus comes ultimately in his second advent to rule and reign. That advent is described in Isaiah chapter 11. We saw last week. Let me just remind you, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion, the fatling together. A little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. A nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra and a weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy all in my holy mountain. He's describing there a period where everything that was made wrong because of sin's entrance into the world, is going to be restored and made right. And that, as we saw last week, as we see every day when we watch the news, has not happened. Jesus has not established that worldwide reign of literal peace. In fact, as we saw last Sunday, uh, that prophecy still belongs into the category of the not yet. All the prophecies in the Bible are in one or two categories. They have already been accomplished or they await accomplishment. And this one, worldwide peace, has not yet happened. Because you and I know that right now there is a a paucity, a scarcity of peace in the world. 
And reason that peace is so valuable is that it is so rare. The cynics have said that the only time there's peace in the world is when the armies are reloading their weapons. And that seems to be the case. But there's peace needed everywhere. Yes, peace between nations. We should pray for that. I saw on the news this week in Iraq where they continue to unload literally semi-trailer loads of bodies as they continue to kill one another there. there, are, there there's a need of peace between political parties in this country. To, to think of peace in this country between political parties is almost laughable if it were not so sad. There, there needs to be peace between races. Seemingly, every time we think we've turned a corner with the race relations in our nation, we're set back again. But there needs to be peace within families. And sometimes the Christmas season, unfortunately, brings out the worst rather than the best in, in family relationships. There, there's sometimes peace even lacking within churches. And we're so grateful that's not the case here, and we should pray that that would always be the case, that we'd enjoy a spirit of unity and peace here at First Baptist. But there certainly is a lack of peace within the hearts and minds of men. One of the issues that is facing our country in the year ahead is an epidemic of addiction to opiates. And certainly that's a complex issue, but uh, certainly what's included in that is that men and women are seeking peace in a pill bottle rather than seeking peace through relationship with Christ. The whole world seems to be in turmoil. They seem to be saying with Job, from Job chapter 3, verse 25, what I fear is upon me, what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest, but turmoil comes. And yet Isaiah prophesies one is coming who is the Prince of Peace. Peace in the Hebrew, shalom, means calmness and tranquility. The Greek word in the New Testament is irene, where we get the word irene, or irenic, means calm. Jesus spoke to the storm on the Sea of Galilee. He commanded it to, peace, be still. He called for calmness and, and tranquility. But the greatest scarcity of peace is not between nations or political parties or races or families or churches. The greatest need for peace today is between God and man. Man's fundamental problem is that he is an enemy of God. Now most people revolt against the notion that they are God's enemy. They think, well, I may not go to church very often, or I may not pray, but I'm certainly not an enemy of God. Well, that's how the Bible describes all humanity who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Romans 5.10, Paul is describing Christians before they were Christians, and he says this, for if while we were enemies... And we're reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He puts himself and all those before they were converted in the category of enemies of God. What could be worse than being an enemy of God? In fact, the scripture says fellowship with the world is enmity with God. And Jesus said it this way, You're either for me or against me. You cannot embrace this world system, which ultimately is controlled by Satan, and embrace biblical Christianity. You'll, you'll love one and hate the other, or vice versa. But the wonderful good news is this, 
the Bible through Isaiah and other prophets gives us, secondly, the promise of peace. We're so glad. We celebrate on Christmas this promise of peace. I could give you dozens of passages in the Bible that promise this peace. I've chosen one from each of the two Testaments. First from the Old Testament, Isaiah 26, 3, that steadfast of mine you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Now, I preach from the New American Standard Bible, which unfortunately, though it's a good translation, loses some of the beauty of the King James. So let me read that verse again, the King James Version. Isaiah says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The promise of Scripture is for all people who will put their heart and mind focused upon God, he will keep them in perfect peace. The New Testament has a similar promise penned by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter, two verse, chapter 4 verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is near. Now theologians have debated when Paul says the Lord is near, was he speaking eschatologically or literally? That is, when he said the Lord is near, was he saying the Lord's second coming is near? Or was he saying that in general, the Lord is near to us in our time of need? I think both are true. But I think specifically here he's saying you don't have to worry or be anxious because God's not far away from you. He's near. Then he says, be careful for nothing. Really what that means is be anxious for nothing. Anxiousness, the root of anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your minds and hearts through Christ Jesus. And so the antidote for the anxiety and the lack of peace that people are experiencing today is not found in a prescription bottle. It's not found in more entertainment. It's not found in material possessions. It is found through thankfulness. The antidote for anxiety is thankful prayer. And this time of year, as we look back upon the blessings of 2017, it's right and appropriate for us to, to count our blessings. If you're here and you have the health to sit up and take nourishment, count your blessings. If, if the ones you love are within arm's reach of you this morning, count your blessings. If you're part of a church family such as ours who loves one another and loves the Lord Jesus, you have much to be grateful for. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we can have peace with God. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus has made a way for those who trust in him to be made right with a holy God. But you'll notice that I emphasize the article A. He has made a way. John chapter 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples said of himself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The only way to true and lasting peace is through a right standing through Christ. In that same chapter, John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. When, when Jesus promised to those who walked with him peace, he says it's a different kind of peace 
than anyone else on earth can offer you. Now occasionally there will be a politician or a military general who says, I can offer you peace. But, but all of those periods of peace have one thing in common. They are very short-lived. Very short-lived. But the peace that Jesus offers is eternal and lasting and forever. And 2,000 years ago, those angels that came to those shepherds out in those fields proclaimed that peace had come. You remember? Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out on the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, listen to this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see, the essence of evangelism is the proclamation of peace. We're not that different than the angels out there in, in the field. We proclaim that the Prince of Peace has come to make peace with men who are at war with God. Isaiah 52, 7, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, comma, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. So this Christmas season, you can bring people into your home. You can tell them what Christ has done for you. And you, like an angel, can proclaim peace on earth. First and foremost, how men and women can have peace with God. See, our, our greatest need is vertically. That relationship between heaven and earth that has been broken because of sin and sin's entrance into the world. And then, once the relationship vertically is what it is intended to be, and then God gives us the ability through His indwelling Spirit to have restored relationships horizontally. Peace between men and women in our sphere of influence, at work and in our home. Peace between races. Today I have invited um, two of our sister congregations to meet with us today. And as you see them in the hallways, I hope you'll greet them. You may know that we have a Korean fellowship that meets here every Sunday and also a Chinese-speaking fellowship. And they're worshiping with us today and they are welcome here. And the Lord has made it possible for there to be peace between the races. He's also made it possible for there to be peace in your home. You may be here today and, and it's been a long time since you could say there's, there's peace in my home. Don't give up. The Lord is, is a God of second and third and one hundredth chances. He can bring peace to your home. He also brings peace in your heart. When Paul declared in Philippians chapter 4 that when we come to him with thankful peace, he gives us a peace that passes human understanding. That includes shalom. 
That includes quietness and tranquility in your own heart and mind. Those things are incredibly dear and valuable. And then fourthly and finally, we come to today, this Christmas Eve, to declare the presence of peace. In other words, when Christians talk about peace, it's, it's not as if those in the 1960s who held up placards and signs and their finger like this. Uh, peace to, to those people was a pipe dream. It was something they wished for without any evidence of reality. When Christians declare peace, we are declaring an absolute bedrock fact. Prince of peace, he's here. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 to Christians. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. If you're a Christian here today, don't ever forget there was a time in your life where that was not the case. You were distant, a stranger, an alien, and an enemy of God. Alienated, he says, from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. And one of the great words in all the Bible. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why? For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Isn't that the world we live in today? We are divided. There are walls between us. And yet Christ has come to break down every wall of separation, including the wall of separation between holy God and ourselves. And he created in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, there's that word again, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You see, peace is not a pipe dream for believers. It is truth. It is reality. There is the presence of peace in the person and work of Jesus. One more time, there's the already and the not yet. For those of you who know Christ as Lord and Savior, He's opened your blind eyes to your need. He's shown you your own sinfulness. He's granted you repentance and faith. What already has happened is that you now have peace with God. You are in right standing with him. And that has a lot of implications. One of which is now you can come with boldness into his presence and make your needs known. Did you know that? He no longer calls you enemies, but friends and sons and daughters. And as a good father, as we saw last week, he welcomes you and says, come with boldness into my presence. We already have fellowship with the saints. We don't have to wait to heaven. To enjoy a little piece of heaven on earth. We, we, we can rejoice that not only has he broken down that middle wall of partition between heaven and, and, and earth, he's broken down the partitions between people who don't look like each other or talk like each other. 
He, he's taken all the nations of the world and made one new people who he calls a, role, a holy priesthood, the church. He can replace a heart and mind full of anxiety with a heart of peace. He can take away what causes your, your fears. But, but there is a sense of not yet. As, as we saw the last two weeks, he's not yet established universal peace. We're not naive as Christians. We're, we're not Pollyannish. We, we don't turn on the news and say, oh, that's not really happening. Of course it's happening. It's impacting people we know and love, but what we know is that won't always be the case. There's coming a day, and we believe right soon, when Jesus is going to come again and restore this earth to what it was intended to be. He's going to reestablish peace and righteousness. And that day will surely come. Are you ready for it? I am. We need to be ready for it in, in two senses. One is that because it will surely happen, we need to make sure that our hearts and minds are right with the Lord. You can be ready for it. Do you have peace with God? The only way to have peace with God is to have your sins forgiven. See, what separates you and a righteous God, if you don't have peace with Him, is your sinfulness. Jesus has done something about that. He left the glories of heaven. And He was born to a virgin girl. And for 30 years, He lived a perfect, righteous, holy, sinless life. And then He went to the cross to accomplish what He was sent to accomplish. That is the atoning sacrifices for sin. And on the third day, he arose victorious from the grave. And after 40 days, he ascended into glory, where one day he's coming for his church. And he calls on you to put your faith and trust in him. To, to despair of anything else you're depending on for a right standing with God. You can't be a good enough person. You can't do enough deeds. You can't make up enough ground to be right with God. You have to simply receive salvation as a gift. That's what the word grace means. Salvation is by grace. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Are you at peace with God? Because when you're at peace with God, then you can, for the first time in your life, have peace within. Now, that does not mean, please don't walk away saying, Pastor said, when you become a Christian, all your problems go away. That is not the case. Would never say that. Your problems will likely increase when you give your heart and life to Christ, but your peace will also increase. Come to Him with thankful prayer, and the peace of God, which passes human comprehension, will stand guard over your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And one day, not only do you have peace with God and peace within, one day you will experience that literal rule and reign with Christ where there is peace everywhere. And that is described, I believe, in Revelation chapter 21. And this is what I want to leave with you as you go home to spend Christmas with your family. You remember that the Apostle John, the Apostle that Jesus loved, was given this great privilege of being transported supernaturally into heaven and into the future to see how this world ends. And he was told to write down what he saw. And this is what he writes in Revelation 21. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
And the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now hear this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things passed away. The presence of peace, the person and work of Jesus. I hope you know him. If you don't, you can. Now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we've studied this past month, these two simple verses from Isaiah chapter 9. Lord, we've been amazed at the depth of truth there. You truly are the Prince of Peace. You are the embodiment of peace, that which men seek for and seemingly cannot find. You are the everlasting Father, Lord Jesus. You are fatherly to those who love you. You are a protector and a provider and an intercessor. You are the mighty God. There is nothing more powerful than you. And our salvation is secure as your place in the Trinity. Nothing's more powerful than that. And Father, we thank you that we could go on and on with your attributes and with your names. And yet Paul says that truly you are the indescribable gift. Our language is insufficient to declare your glory. But Father, we want to praise you. And so Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season and what it means. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you that you didn't hold on to your place in heaven tightly, but you emptied yourself and you poured yourself out so that we could be made right with God. So Lord, I would pray if there's even one person in the sound of my voice today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that your spirit would give them the faith to believe and grant them repentance, Lord, that they may be forgiven and born again this Christmas Eve day. Father, I pray that you'd give them the boldness to share that publicly and to declare your righteousness. Lord, we thank you for this church family. I pray a blessing on all those who are here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.